October 4th, 2023. And we're really up to the next Mishnah, which is at the very bottom of the Amud. Hopefully by the end of the class, we'll begin that Mishnah. But before doing so, as we discussed in the Sugya, the Sugya that we just finished was talking about a Kiseh, this chair on which someone's being transported, the way in which a person's getting around on Yom Tov. In the Sugya, the Gemara was deliberating and dealing with uh, the permissibility under some circumstances and prohibition under what sounded like most circumstances and situations of using it on Yom Tov. As Rashi pointed out to us, as the Sugya was alluding throughout, the issue we were really dealing with was what's called Ziluta de Yom Tov. It was a, a weekday activity. It's not an activity, a, way, a mode of transportation, the Gemara seems to be suggesting, that's appropriate for a sanctified day as Yom Tov and Shabbat really is and are. And uh, in turn, at the conclusion of the sugya, one thing is clear that other modes of transportation, and we already alluded to the fact that bicycles would be the primary conversation to be had in this context, are permitted for people shirabim sirikim lahim, if uh, the masses are in need of them. As was pointed out to me, that means to say that the question doesn't begin for rabbis with regards to bicycles on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Bicycles for Shabbat and Yom Tov for rabbis, the sugya, rabim sirichim lo, is very clear that's a permissibility, again, provided that it's necessary. Uh, ironically, I, I say it with a smile, I don't know any rabbis who would ride a bicycle on Shabbat or Yom Tov, but that's the closest you'll come to a clear permissibility in the sugya, or, as uh, someone said before the class, uh, wives of rabbis, as the sugya talked about, Yelta, the wife of Rav Nachman, but her specific issue was because she was, if you recall, uh, she had a fear, she, there was a bi'uta, there was a fear that she would fall, and in turn, it was not so much the carrying, as Tosafot pointed out, but even the beyond the regular carrying, the carrying on the ketefaim, on the uh, shoulders, was permitted to, for her. Now, this sugya, I'm not just theorizing as being the center of this halakhic conversation. It is in She'elotu Teshubot Rav Pe'alim, I gave you the sheets in front of you, that's written by the Yosef Haim of Baghdad, uh, better known as Benish Hai, another important work that he wrote in terms of halachot, but his Rav Pe'alim is his responsa. He died in 1909. He was the rabbi in Baghdad in Iraq, an important posek halacha. Uh, in all dimensions, certainly in the uh, Middle Eastern Sephardic world, we need to know his piske halacha. It doesn't mean that we adhere to them under all circumstances, but it means his word, his shoulders were broad shoulders and have, have a certain lasting effect, certainly until today, even with different poskim who have developed and come about in the past uh, 50, 60 years. His words are still always very significant. He, to the best of my knowledge, is the first to address uh, bicycles. I don't know if it's the first uh, in which people are uh, using uh, bicycles. I think bicycles actually go back long before that, but maybe it's the first time uh, Jews are questioning the use of bicycles on Shabbat, or at the very least the first time they're writing about it. So here in his response, in this is the first edition or the first uh, book of the several books of his She'elot uh, Teshubot, in She'ela Kafe, in the 25th uh, question that was posed to him, he was asked, it's at the bottom of page 145 here in the left-hand corner, it says, She'ela, nish'alti me'et ha'yakar ha'maskil senior me'ir salah natre rahmana v'shamre. 
I was asked by an individual named Meir Salah. Now let me just be clear in terms of our time constraints and the purpose of the class. This class will not end per se with our Pesach Halakha, although we have a class on that, developing and discussing the many other rabbinic opinions and angles on this matter. I really, my purpose in reading this is to understand how Benish Hai, how to be Yosef Haim Baghdad, used our sugya as the foundation for his Pesach Halakha. Let's more than anything, we learned the sugya, we discussed the issues that, uh, that arose and arise from the sugya, and see how it was put to action in a Pesach Kalacha. So here he said he was asked by Meir Salah Beir Bombay from India, Nimsa Karon Shekorin Jari. He says there's a uh, mode of transportation called Jari, parentheses Ofanaim. In fact, later in the Tishaban, the Hashmatot, in the addendum, in the afterword that Benish High wrote, he calls it the bicycle. So he's very clearly, it seems, uh, talking about a bicycle. That must be the, uh, the Arabic word. Any Arabic speakers? Uh, Charlie, is that how you say a bicycle in uh, Arabic? Jari, today? Yes? Okay, so there we are. What's that? Almost the same word. Here's the description. There's two wheels on it. There's no animal, there's no people pulling it. It's rather going, so to speak, on its own through the pressure of the feet of a person on the, uh, on the pedals, of course. Whether it's permitted or not, questions this Meir Salah of Ben Ishchai of Rabbi Yosef Chaim Yorenu Hamoreus Charok Kaful Menashemaim Teshuba says Maranzal Maran is a reference to Rabbi Yosef Taro, the author of Shochan Aruch Pasak B'Shochanu HaTahor Behilchot Yom Tov. Says if you look in Siman Taf Kof Kaf Bet of Shochan Aruch in Ora Chaim, following is stated: En Yosein Bekise Hadayish VeHadayisha VeIsha Yurabim Sirichim Lo Mutar Ayin Sham. Those are the words of Shochan Aruch of Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo. That's almost a direct quotation from our sugya, right? A person is not allowed to be carried on a chair on Yom Tob. However, if the person is significant, important to the extent that Rabim Sirichimlo, the masses are in need of him, then it's permitted. Well, we haven't changed anything from our understanding. He's really developing the background over here. He says, here's the reasoning, writes Benish Hamishum Zilutadi Yom Tob. It's because of the cheapening of the nature of Yom Tov through such an activity. De mehazeh, doing so, would look like uvadin dehol, weekday activities. Uh, so those are the words of Benish Hai. Where did he get that from? We all know where he got that from. We spent two days on this sugya. din ze itmar This halacha is in betza, daf kafeh. Uh, do you have a problem with this uh, Pesach, huh, Mars? Gabe Yom Tov, in the context of Yom Tov, v'harifa harambam v'harosh hevi'uhu behilchot Yom Tov. You might recall I mentioned this in the class yesterday, that the major poskeh halacha, rif, harambam, and rosh, mention this law specifically and only in the context of Yom Tov. Our sugya is in Masechet Beza, otherwise known as Masechet Yom Tov, for good reason. It's Beza, Shinolda, Be Yom Tov. We've been dealing throughout this Masechet with the laws of Yom Tov. There are many crossovers between Yom Tov and Shabbat. Matter of fact, I think it was Abi who was asking yesterday, do you have all the same laws, specifically in the context of Ziluta, 
between Shabbat and Yom Tov? The answer probably is, generally speaking, yes, when you're dealing with Ziluta, when you're dealing with Melachot, provided that it's not Makom Sorech. Uh, but that's really what we're talking about. Masechet Yom Tov, Masechet Besah, and their laws in turn are only recorded in Hilchot Yom Tov. V'hatur hev yogam ken b'hilchot Shabbatur, which is an important, uh, well, first German and then Spanish written uh, text which precedes Shohan Aruch. He records this law by the laws of Shabbat. That's all very significant. It means that the major three authorities uh, say this law only in the context of Yom Tov. One authority, an important one, Tur, says it by Shabbat. What's the significance? Katav Ma- Indeed, the Mishnah, Mishnah in Masechet, in Masechet Megillah says, En ben Shabbat v'yom tobe la'ochil nefesh bilvad. Certainly on the biblical level, but even on the rabbinic level, we don't see any major distinction between the two. The major distinction is the Mishnah and Dafyot ve'et in Masechet Betzah. If it's Sorech Yom Tov, for all intents and purposes, that's when you'd find the permissibility. Indeed, at this point, not per se anything to be made of this, but Bet Yosef does so. What's his angle? You might recall, I mentioned this yesterday in the class, Bet Yosef's angle on this matter, Bet Yosef, same author of Shohan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo, his angle goes as follows. He says, listen, are we dealing with a permissibility with regards to carrying or only with regards to prohibition and permissibility of Ziluta Diyom Tov. Is this law that's being mentioned in our Gemara, let's say, for argument's sake, you're an important person, Rabim Sirechim law, that in turn permitted even in a place where you don't have an Eruven on Shabbat? Or is this law specifically in the context of Yom Tov when you don't begin that conversation? Well, of course it's only by Yom Tov. Why would this go against the Shabbat violation of Hotza'av, Tiltul Be'erushut Rabim. Why would you be able to? So you might recall, say so he writes this, the Katav Maram Be'bet Yosef Al-Tursham, Mashmami Devarav Da'afil Lo'otziyo Be'erushut Rabim Sharek Sharabim Sarechim Lo. It says, if you read the words of Tur, who records this law again in the context of Shabbat, a standard situation, unless you tell me otherwise, you tell me you're going on vacation, says there's an Eruv, I assume there's no Eruv. You're going to a standard, normal place, unless we know there's an Eruv. Well, the fact that Tur records this in the context of Ilchot Shabbat, we assume, says Beit Yosef, there is no Eruv. There's no way of carrying. And nonetheless, this law is mentioned there that it could be permitted. How could it be permitted? The reason the major authorities don't mention this in the context of Shabbat is because they believe that their opinion is, quite understandably so, on Shabbat, it would never permit anyone carrying a chair through the streets. Why would that be permitted? It's one thing you're going to tell me it's not a bad problem. It's not a problem for, for Yom Tov. That's not a problem for Yom Tov. You're going to permit that on Shabbat. There's a carrying issue. If you recall, I mentioned this yesterday. Bet Yosef concludes and he says, it's possible, it's possible that even on Shabbat, what Tur is telling us, what even the other authorities would agree, even on Shabbat it would be permitted. How could it be permitted on Shabbat when you don't have an Eruv? Remember that law of Hai Noset If a person uh, can walk, rabbinically speaking, you can't carry them. However, as Joey mentioned to me afterwards, this comes into play. If you, uh, I don't know, this actually happened to me once. I was with a child who knew how to walk. 
I was in a place where clearly we were in California, we were outside of the Eruv. I remember, the, like yesterday, it was my second child, and he knew how to walk, he decided he's not walking any longer. We were in the middle of a very, not dangerous, but we, and we sat with him for, I mean, I felt like hours. I mean, there was no, he wasn't, he wouldn't get up. I still didn't want to pick him up. Hai no say say to me, he's all, if he's able to walk independently, so pick him up, Midrabanan, we still prohibit. Ultimately speaking, my, cha- my other child, who was a little bit older, who understood the circumstance, so we're just sitting because he won't walk and we can't carry him, he picked him up and carried him, which I was okay permitting. banan, it's prohibited. If you're going to be stuck there all day, there's rooms and there's ground for, for permitting carrying a human being. Well, that being the case, suggests Maran, Rabbi Yosef Karo writes in his Beit Yosef, the reason maybe when Rabbim Sirichim law, when the masses are in need of this individual, uh, that you can carry him, and even on a chair, because the chair has a certain bitul to the individual, is because he's a human being who can technically walk on his own. We don't consider that carrying. Maybe that's the Hidush over here, that even on Shabbat the chair is permitted. All right, that's all larger conversation, an important conversation, but it's all assuming, and that's what Ben Ishai is doing, is laying the groundwork. It's all assuming that the particular and specific issue that we're dealing with in Be'etzad Daf Kafhe, and this is the way we learned it for two days, for good reason, like Rashi, etc. The issue we were dealing with is not a carrying issue. That could be dealt with separately. The issue we're dealing with is, is it appropriate in terms of Zilutad Yom Tov or not? That's right. Is it a weekday or a weekend Shabbat activity? Is it a weekday or a Yom Tov activity? If the Gemara is saying it's not a, uh, it's a weekday activity, then it's not permitted, irrespective of Shabbat or Yom Tov, unless, again, the irony, unless you're a rabbi. What do you say about Hebrew Brooklyn, where it's only a Shabbat and Yom Tov? Uh, so hang tight. Uh, it's a great question. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't know the answer to this per se, but you'd have to figure this out in order to get to an angle on this. Were the people not being car- were the people being carried that way during the week as well on shoulders? Or were they transported by animals? I imagine they were transported by animals. So it was also... But, but, no, 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 leave bike aside. The Gemara, which is this, based, this is all based on. I'm just saying it's not... No, that, that's our example. But again, what was the case over there? Are you telling me that during the week they were being brought on shoulders or in hands? I think they were travel, traveling on a wagon. I think that's good. So then you can't tell me that, well, it's only the way I do it on Shabbat or Yom Tov, therefore it's permitted. The sugya as well. So, so instead of calling it a weekday, call it cheapening the day. Call it cheapening the day. But I'm telling you the sugya is doing the same thing. If the basis, you can have a question on the rabbis, but I'm, I'm saying I, I understand the perspective. The perspective is, although this old person, this rabbi, this whoever, during the week is taken by animals, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, if they're in a chair, of course it's permitted. No, maybe it's still not permitted. Maybe it's still wrong. Maybe it still looks wrong. Uh, that's that's what seems to be true. Right, the the first one, first one against you might be the Gemara, but anyhow, anyhow. If she's afraid, you can put her on your shoulders on the thing. But a blind man can't use a stick. Uh, again, you have to argue, I, I believe, like Rosh did, that the blind person was able to get by in another way. He can't use his stick, but a crippled person, as Rosh wrote in Siman He, could. 
Uh, so th- that's really what we're dealing with over here. Um, if, you'll, if you'll, for a moment, just for, for purposes of time, we'll skip the next paragraph. Important, but most important is the, is the turning point here, is page 147. Page 147, he presents at the top of the right-hand corner, the very top of the page, is V'ra'iti lehagaon haslach. Slach stands for Tziun Nefesh Hayah. His name was Rabbi Hezkelanda. Rabbi Hezkelanda was the head rabbi, the chief rabbi of Prague for many years. He wrote as well a book called The Nodabi Huda, he's better known for that. But this is his commentary to Talmud, very well used, very important. It says, Vizele Shono, here's how he interprets our sugya. I'm going to actually summarize it outside before we read it quickly inside. If you recall, and this really was, it's, it, the class developed properly in this respect, Nathan said, Shabbat and Yom Tov, and he was right about this, are identical. Shabbat and Yom Tov have the same laws, except for if it's for Sorek Ochel Nefesh, unless it's for producing food. The Mishnah on Daf Yod Bet, on page 12 of Masechet Bezat, told us the following. There is an extension, according to Bet Hilel, not only things that were directly producing food, but even the activity itself. So, if in order to bring the food I'd need to carry outside, this was the explicit example in the Mishnah, you can carry other things outside. Remember what the Mishnah said? The Mishnah said you're allowed to carry a baby outside, you're allowed to carry your lulav outside, you're allowed to carry a book or a sefer Torah outside. All of those are permitted on Yom Tov, not on Shabbat. Why, not? Why are they permitted? Mitoch. Since they're permitted for food purposes, so too they're for, 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 permitted for Yom Tov purposes. Pause with those words. They're permitted for Yom Tov purposes. There needs to be, we discuss the specifics, Tosafot and Rashi and Abeno Hananel. What does it mean, Yom Tov activities? But at the very least, what was clear from the sugya at the very bottom of Daf Yod Bet, Amud Aleph, was there needs to be a Sorech Yom Tov. There needs to be a necessity for the day as per why I'm carrying this. The sugyas, matter of fact, said on Dafyod Bet, you can't carry stones and rocks. What's your purpose of the day with them? A debate how to understand the specifics in that. But if there's no purpose in you carrying this on the holiday and there's no eruv, well, then it's not permitted even on the holiday. It's permitted if it's for food, if it's, it's permitted if it's for sorech yom tov. Oh, that, those are the key and important words now. Well, that being the case, says Tzlach, says Rabbi Hezkelanda, in his mind, that's the interpretation to everything we learned in the Gemara. You see, what the Gemara was talking about was, if you recall, Rabim Sirichimlo. The Gemara said it's permitted if the masses need him. You don't want to know what that was? Who said? Why all of a sudden rabbis, I don't know, I thought it was more important, but all of a sudden rabbis, there's more leniencies for them? What sort of statement was that? Rabim Sirichim lo, therefore it's permitted. The idea was that generally speaking, and back to your point, Alan, generally speaking, a person could get around in another way. It's not a necessity of Yom Tov to be carried in that chair, and as a result, there's a problem. If Rabim Sirichim Lo, what's the qualification of this is Sorich Yom Tov, this is necessary for the day of Yom Tov, oh, the masses need him. He's going to give a class on Yom Tov. He's going to be, she's going to be, uh, her services are needed on that day. That was Yalta. Oh, that means that the whole sugya here in Masechet uh, Besa was really only addressing a circumstance, a situation where 
it would otherwise be permit, prohibited to carry. There's no eruv. The question is why and how could this be permitted? The answer is tzorich yom tov. What's the definition of tzorich yom tov? The Gemara told us an objective definition. What's the definition? The masses need you. What would be, based on that definition, the halakha on yom tov, on Shabbat, on this chair, if there's an eruv? Be no problem. That's that's in fact how tzlach. No, masses need you according to tzlach is only a qualification. It gets you into defining this is purposeful for the day. The only reason you need purposeful for the day is because it would have been prohibited otherwise. It was never a conversation according to tzlach about inappropriate for Yom Tov or Shabbat. It was always a conversation about is this defined as necessity for jumping into, plugging yourself into this permissibility on Yom Tov to quote-unquote override the carrying issue. But there's no... I'm not they, saying. I mean, he's saying, not you, that if there was no error on Yom Tov, let's call it that, sure. they carried the rabbi's wife, well, the rabbi, mm-hmm. the rabbi, they carried the rabbi with the, the, the masses needed. Masses needed. That's right. On Yom Tov. On Yom Tov. The Mishnah. And he's saying, well, and, and, now, and then, um, uh, Slach. Slach is saying there's no difference between Yom um, Tov and Shabbat. If there's an Eruv, right? If there's no Eruv, so what he says is. Hang tight. I'm not up to that yet. I'm still in the middle here. So if there's no Eruv, we're going back to Daf Yod Bet, and we're likening the rabbi to. Now that we poked up the rabbi, the rabbi is now our lulav, our baby, or our sefer Torah, right? Those were the definitions of things you need. You need this rabbi now. You need this person right now. That's why it's permitted. What's that? You can't carry if there's no eruv. If there's no eruv. The issue in our sugya was a carrying issue. If there's an eruv, if there's no carrying issue. So the issue was... Don't do things that we do on Shabbat. So did I. So did I. Guess who didn't think that way? It's Lah. He had a different interpretation of the sugya. His understanding of the Gemara was different than you and me. That's, that's, that's how he has reasons, which Ben Ishai doesn't fully spell out, uh, but that's the way he understands it. Uh, so read it together with me. It says, Veraiti Notice and remember that the three major authorities, Rif, Harambam, and Rosh, mention this law only in the laws of Yom Tov, not in the laws of Shabbat. Why not? Uh, back to you, Morris. If it's a Shabbistic issue, if it's an issue, it's not appropriate for Shabbat, it's appropriate only for a weekday, why didn't they record this in Hilchot Shabbat? Especially Shohan Aruch, why didn't he put this in the laws of Shabbat? Why isn't this recorded by the laws of Shabbat just as much as it is in Yom Tov? Many of these laws are repeated, the very least put in Shabbat and we'll say Kol Sheken for Yom Tov. He's understanding, The whole issue in our sugya, according to these opinions is, not as we understood it throughout, not like Rashi. It's rather a carrying issue. The Hidush of our Gemara is that being carried on a chair is not considered a necessity. It's like the blind person with the cane. Sounds ridiculous. I can't get around. 
You could get around, find another mode of transportation, stay at home, build a minyan close to you, whatever you need to do, invite the family to you, whatever. The point is you can't do it with the church. Even if your legs are hurting you, you're not able to walk easily. People carrying you don't have a necessity. The reason these authorities don't mention this in Shabbat is because it goes without stating this is going to be Asur under all circumstances on Shabbat when you can't be carrying. Of that all being the case, says, uh, says Ben Ishchai now, uh, Morris, says Ben Ishchai, I'll tell you in my mind, that's the, that's the reasonable extension to the bicycles. He says bicycles he's likening to this kise. He says bicycles are another mode of transportation. What could or should be the issue? Well, let's look at our sugya. Is the issue uh, issue of not appropriate for Shabbat? If it's such an issue, we need to discuss. In his mind, he's following slah. It's one authority, it's one opinion. It's not Rashi's opinion per se, but it's slah. And slah says the issue is only a carrying issue. That means to say, provided that there's an eru, provided that you don't have a carrying issue, well then bicycles are permitted. That's his understanding of this. He continues and he makes clear this is not only tzlach at the top of the left-hand corner. He quotes from She'elot Tishbot Shoelu Meshiv. Many people believe his name would be Yosef Hayim. He's from Baghdad. He must only quote Svaradim. Well, so far he's quoted Tzlach. It would be a Hezgalanda. I'm sorry, this one's for you, Mars. An Ashkenazi. Sho'elu Meshiv. An Ashkenazi. His name was Rabbi Yosef Shaul Natonzon. So he quotes as well, who signs off on Noda Biuda and Tzlach on this matter. In the next paragraph, he quotes from Mahazik Beracha. Okay, it would be Hayim Yosef David Azulai, a true Sefaradi, but who quotes as well from Maharshal Bishlomo. Luria, a nice Ashkenazic rabbi, and so forth. Anyway, the, each of them as well, appealing maybe to Rashba, appealing to a general consensus and understanding, have a similar understanding of what's taking place in Masech Betzah and Mudbet. To put it in a sentence again before we uh, conclude the purposes of this Teshubah, it means that we learned Dafkafeh Mudbet purposefully with one lens for two days. The one lens we learned it with was the lens provided by Rashi. We said this sugya is an issue of, is this appropriate for Shabbat or is it Zilutad Yom Tov? I even read the Rashi inside twice. That's his reading of the sugya. That being the case, if we're going to liken that kiseh to bicycles, only for rabbis. That's really what the conclusion would be. If alternatively, this different perspective on how to understand the sugya, that the sugya, the Gemara, was never addressing a ziluta. It was really only addressing sorech yom tob. How do we define something that's purposeful for yom tob? Well, then that issue is only an issue when I would have a melacha that I'm transgressing. The melacha being hotza'ah. If there's no melachav hotzah, if you are accepting the eruv, if it's yom tov, and, uh, and, and in turn you have an eruv, or Shabbat you have an eruv, says Ben Ishchai, his understanding is it would be permitted. He does continue and address some other peripheral issues. On page 148, he says, uh, well, uh, you know, he says on page 148 in the second paragraph, he says, on the right hand side, he says, you know, I'm going to add an additional reason that I think that this might be 
um, permitted. It says, There's a distinction between several people carrying a chair or one person on a bicycle, which, by the way, means that he might not be as excited about, ironically, a rickshaw, right? And a rickshaw is carrying several people, generally speaking. It says, When it's one bicycle, it doesn't seem as if you're going afar. Uh, distance. In the previous paragraph, he suggested as well, he says it might just not be the same thing. Over here, you're pushing pedals and it's kind of moving independently. In the other case, there's a certain strain of people carrying it. He says maybe there's more, more room for grounds of leniency as well. He continues and he says, so again, so his general understanding of the sugya is that this was never an issue of zilutad yom tov. He says even if it is an issue of zilutad yom tov, the chair and the bicycle are not identical. The chair has several people carrying it. The bicycle is one person. The chair is manually moved. The bicycle is also manually, but ultimately speaking, it's the power you put into it, and then it, quote-unquote, goes on its own. That's right. That's what he saw. No, no, no. No, no, yes, yes, yes. He's not No, 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 no. But every time you put your... By that extension, he makes 100%, 1,000% clear. He doesn't extend this to no eluv. That's not to say that nobody could... That he can't make the argument. He's very clear. If you want to work with the posek who's permitting, you're not working with him when you're going out of the eluv because he is 100... Crystal clear in this dish. Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, and he, he, what's that? Outside of the eluv, if rabbim serichim lo on yom tov. Yes. Um, I assume. Uh, he, he has uh, two more uh, peripheral issues just for our purposes. Uh, briefly, he says maybe there's a problem called marita ayin. Maybe people see you and they say it's inappropriate, it's wrong, it's pro- prohibited. He says marita ayin, we even talked once or twice in our Gemara about it. But the classic example of marita ayin is you're dealing with um, uh, uh, milk which is made from almonds and you put, you're drinking it together with uh, uh, eating meat. So over there, a person sees it and says, that's, that's milk. And he's having it together with meat. That's a marit ayin. It means they have a fear that you're actually transgressing an objective isur. He says over here, there's no isur that we're beginning with. That people think it's wrong. That's not called marit ayin. He says, by extension, you'll say you can't do anything. You can't carry, he writes, when there is an objectively good eruv. He says, well, because people might not know. People might not know it's not on you. He, he, he writes as well, maybe there's a problem of shemeyitakin. It was a problem, we learned about this later in the Masechet, you might come to fix it. His understanding, number one, he says, Alpirov, it doesn't break. I'm no bike technician, but my son loves biking, and his bike has issues every day, so maybe the bikes have changed a bit. Uh, but he does continue and he says, but we don't make such gezerot. He has several examples in which he says, listen, we're mistapek, we accept the gezerot of the rabbis on those sorts of matters. It might be ruined, and in turn you'll come to fix it. He says, but we don't extend it to any and every situation where it seems this is prone to being ruined. The truth is, and I'll conclude with this, in terms of a student of his a generation removed, but an adherent of his, he addresses this matter, and is very reverent to Rav Pe'alim, to Ben Ishai. However, he does write, 
He says, listen, first and foremost, I'm not talking per se, although he does a little bit from a halakha perspective. In his mind, he says, it might not be objectively the sugya ziluta de Shabbat, inappropriate for Shabbat. He says, but I think it's inappropriate for our people for Shabbat. He says, furthermore, there are lots of takalot. It might come to be broken and people are going to inappropriately fix it. Says, now, Benish Hai, again, very aware of those issues, is not disturbed by them, and as a result, is the, the authority, capital T and capital A, with regards to bicycles on Shabbat and their permissibility. What's his basis? What's his grounding? It's exactly our sugya. He likens it to the chair, and his understanding of the sugya of our Gemara is that the Gemara was never disturbed about it being uvdin dehol. When Chacham Ovadia Yosef writes about this, even though we're not being posek lehalachai, should listen to a class for Pesach. Chacham Ovadia Yosef writes about this in several places. Most uh, most lately, in uh, in his uh, at the end of his life, in Chazon Ovadia Chelik Dalad on Hilchot Shabbat, his he goes through many of the issues in and out of them. And his final words at the top are, listen, uh, bicycles, my words, bicycles have been accepted by the masses, pashat hadavar, it's been accepted, le'isur, because of uvadin dehol. People assume it's a weekday activity. Now he's very clear, people assume. You know, you're living in a community where people assume that. He's careful, because he's a halachist and he understands the grounding and the sourcing on this matter, that to make the actual argument that it is uvadin dehol is not a simple argument. Ben Ishai very clearly is opposed to that. Uh, for example, in the book Imre Mordechai, Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu was asked by Rabbi Hecht about this as well. And Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu always was posek like Ben Ishai and all sorts of such matters. On this matter, he says, listen, Ben Ishai is permitting. That's my rabbi or my rabbi's rabbi. He says, but nonetheless, I know what your community does with them. I'm nervous about where they're going with their bicycles. And as a result, he says, let's draw a line on this matter. So each person and each community needs to make an appropriate decision on this matter. But what I, the, the main objective of discussing this is, number one, to understand how the posek can read a sugya and in turn determine a halakha. But number two, to understand that uh, for a blank and simple statement, of course, it's prohibited. Far from the truth. It's, of course, at least in my opinion, permitted. You can decide for your family, for your community, for your circumstance, whether it's appropriate or not. But that's a meta-halakha decision. That's not a halakha decision. From the halakha perspective, it seems clear based on Ben Ishai and all those who come afterwards that to make a clear isur, it's mamash asur, statement is, is just not possible. You can again say, I don't, I don't think we should do it. I don't want... You can make such a statement if that's if that's uh, you have your prerogative to make such decisions, and uh, rabbis and communities and families do. But from the sugya and from Benish Height seems clear from the strong from the basis of halacha, it's not prohibited. Okay, that all being the case, I'd like to for the last minute just begin this last mishnah, just so we say that we didn't just read a tissue by this morning. We learned a little gemara and mishnah. Uh, we have about thirty seconds. Uh, says the mishnah at the very bottom of Daf Kafei Amud Bet. Bechor shenafal lebor biudaomer yered mumhev yerem yeshbo mum yaale vishhot vimlav lo yishhot rabishimono merkoshe en mumoni kan mi beodyom enze min hamukhan. First and foremost, you see two opinions of biudan rabishimon. It already has us thinking about mukse as we do throughout the Masechet. Ironically, Rabbi Yehuda is the permitting one, and Rabbi Shimon is the forbidding one. In general, Mukseh, it's the opposite, so that's interesting. Secondly, what's just giving you the introduction to the issue, the first word in the Mishnah is Bechor. Bechor is the firstborn animal. The halakha with regards to firstborn 
firstborn animals goes as follows. It's kadosh merechem. When the firstborn animal, if any animal comes out, it has a certain kedushah sanctity. It needs to be brought to the mikdash. When we had a mikdash, slaughtered and sacrificed, and the meats were eaten by the kohanim. What about during the time of the Beit HaMikdash, if there was a mum, if there was a blemish in it, not sacrificed, but kept by the Kohen, slaughtered and eaten by him? What about in a time when there's no Beit HaMikdash, brought to a Kohen, wait until there's a mum in it, there's a blemish, slaughtered and eaten by the Kohen. As a result, our Mishnah will deal with the following situation. I'm dealing with this Bechor, this firstborn animal. I need to determine whether it has a blemish or not. If it doesn't have a blemish, nobody can eat from it. If it has a blemish, well, my friends, myself, if I was, a Gindi, Dweck, Tawel, Cohen, etc., they can eat from Beta, they could eat from it. So you're determining on Yom Tob, as there's an animal in a pit, some doubt about whether it has a blemish or not. You're going to appeal to a mumhe, to a person who knows well the laws and reality of mumim, of, of, of blemishes or not. And the question will be in our Mishnah, if it wasn't checked before the holiday, but you had some sort of knowledge that there's a blemish on this animal, and there it is at the bottom of the pit, do we send someone down to check it out and to determine, can we then take it out and slaughter it? Those sorts of issues and more will be addressed in this Mishnah. That's the beginning to it.